Welcome to Money Radio, WPSE's weekly broadcast of the Rotary Club of Erie meeting program at the Sheridan Erie Bayfront Hotel. Today's speaker is James Grunke, CEO of the Erie Regional Chamber and Growth Partnership. Good afternoon, everyone. It's my great pleasure to introduce the uh, new CEO of the Erie Regional Chamber and Growth Partnership, James Grunke. Um, I'm not going to repeat all his credentials and, and experience that you would have read about in the Seaway, or if you haven't, I hope you will. Um, if you did or if you do, you will readily agree with me that um, he brings the most experience, uh, broad-based experience and expertise in economic development that we've ever really recruited to our community, quite frankly. and. Um, that is not as a result of luck. There may have been a little bit of good luck in there, but uh, it was a very deliberate effort. We had really, I think, the most intensive search <coughs> that we've ever undertaken. Uh, the, the team was uh, led ably by Ralph Ford, the Chancellor of Penn State Barron, and the committee included not the usual suspects like members of our executive committee who represent uh, major employers in the area, but also a representative of young professionals and uh, a small business owner and significantly both the mayor and the county executive who were involved throughout and participated in all the interviews. And uh, we used uh, the most renowned search firm in the country and uh, for economic development and they brought us several candidates. And after the second round of interviews, James emerged as the unanimous choice of the committee. And I can tell you that nobody uh, was happier than, than me uh, when he arrived seven months ago because for the 11 months prior to that, I was trying to uh, we have a great staff, I have to say that, but I was trying to oversee the whole thing as board chair. And uh, so not only was I delighted to have James arrive, but I've been very much delighted with the progress that we have made uh, in the very short span of seven months uh, in terms of uh, new personnel, new programs, new strategies, and I'm sure you'll be hearing about that. Um, I do want to close by saying that it's not enough simply to um, find a qualified person. Uh, to convince that qualified person to come to town, to have somebody who has vision and, and energy when they arrive, but you know, they're also, it also has to be a good fit, particularly if you're bringing somebody from across the country, as we did in the case of James. Uh, and you know, not the silly stuff that we always talk about, like, well, what are they going to think about the snow and all that sort of thing, but I'm talking really about the cultural fit. So I will just offer one um, piece of evidence in support of my argument that James has been a fantastic fit. Um, and that is that, as any good um, uh, chamber executive would, he wants to get to know everybody in the community. So not only did he join the Erie Club, as you would expect, but on his own, he went out and joined and remains a proud member of the Third Street Polish Falcons. So, so with that, ladies and gentlemen, I rest my case, and I'm glad to present James Grunke. Thank you, Tom. And I got to learn of an event I had never heard of in my entire life called Dingus Days. Um, and if you haven't ever experienced that, the, the basic premise is the women chase men and hit them with pussy willow sticks. The men throw water at the women and everybody gets drunk. So I took the entire chamber team there for that event. Um, I'd also like to say what I've learned about the Rotary, I've learned two things since I've been here today, is I have never ever in my life said the words Tootsie Wootsie. <laughs> uh, and now I've said it twice. Um, and I learned 
that I can't speak here for two years, so I can really just say whatever I want. <laughs> um, so as Tom said, I arrived here on September 17th, and my entire professional life has spent only in the western states. I had never been to this part of Pennsylvania um, until last summer. And um, the reason I, the way I got here was the search firm that was hired, um, I've known their principal for probably 15 years. And he just called me up and said, hey, I've been asked to rep represent Erie. I think you should really take a strong look at this. I think it'd be a really good fit for you. And he said, you know, so what do you think about Erie? And I said, I don't think anything about Erie, right? <laughs> I've never been here, I've never been there, but there are so many similarities here to other experiences that I've had. Um, so while I'm from Boise, Idaho, and that's where my family home is, the last uh, six years I was working in Montana, in Missoula, Montana. Um, so Missoula, Montana is a city uh, of about 100,000 in a county of about 165,000, so smaller than here. But in 2010, they lost their largest employer, which was a paper mill. So about 800 jobs were lost, about 2,000 jobs um, overnight gone in the community. The year before, they had lost um, their second largest employer, which was a, was a lumber mill. Um, and that lumber mill was about 400 jobs. So they had lost over two years a significant job loss. Um, I could say today on that former lumber mill site, there are more people working on that property than there was the day that it closed. Um, and it was just great local ownership and repurposing a building. Um, and so there are other communities I've worked in that have very similarities. And so I really have much more of an economic development background. And that's really what I was recruited to come and do uh, to create a robust economic development program here. <clears throat> so f one of the first things that I needed to do is I needed to get out and meet Erie people, business leaders and community leaders and hear what they're thinking. I love going to a business and say, I'm not here to do anything other than to learn what you're thinking about and what do you do? Um, and that really is shaping my strategy. And I'd say, I've, been, I've done a little over 400 of those visits since I've been here. Um, because I can't come and create where Erie should go if I don't understand Erie. So I'm going to talk about three things today. I'm going to talk about what I think the role of the chamber is. I'm going to describe what I view what we're going to do as an economic development organization. And then I'm going to use a real example of what something's happening in our community, and that's what's going on at WabTech. Um, so economic development, they only work or pursue companies that are called primary job creators. So unless you produce a good and service here, export it, and import the dollars, you're not a target for economic development. Well, that would mean an example I use all the time is Hannah at Ember and Forge. Do we all think that's a great business and a great addition to the downtown? Absolutely. Would we as an economic development organization do anything to really help her grow and prosper? No, right? She's not a primary job creator. So that's really kind of the role. First, let me talk about the, the role of the chamber. And I have to say, there's only really two models. That there's an economic development group that's Im embedded inside the chamber, like we're going to have here, or there are two step separate organizations. And there's merits to, to both. 
I had a struggle when I first got here, and I think I want you to, to have one takeaway. What you think the chamber was or is, is nothing what it's going to look like in the future. So, um, good or bad, but we're not, because I'm trying to understand what is our value proposition in the community. And I actually have a slides, don't I? But I forget. But I only have 90, so we'll get through this pretty quick. <laughs> or maybe it's nine. We can even just leave that. There's no, I don't use them to read. It's just some prompting for me. Yeah. Or we can go to Q&A and I can just stop. Yeah. So a chamber is a transactional arrangement, right? In exchange of your membership dollar, you expect some sort of benefit for it. Versus an economic development is much more of an investment and then it's a return on investment type of proposition. So. Our first question is, what is the value of the chamber? What is we're doing for our members? And I have to say, not because of any ill intent by anybody, but the answer was really not very much. Um, we were kind of a, a party chamber, right? We do beer on the bay, we do the fall member fest, we, and I want to be a content organization. That's what people ask. And so we're going to be about two things. We're going to be about access and we're going to be about advocacy. So what do I mean by access? First and foremost, we should be an organization that gives you access to people. Who? I don't know. Who is it that you need? Is it access to a new customer? Is it access to peers? Is it access to... Uh, that's how we have to think. And so all of our organizational activities will align on that. So this is a great example here today, right? This is access to people. You're coming here because you have access to people. Secondly, we're gonna be an organization that's about access to information. Information that you otherwise wouldn't receive. Again, this lunch is both of those. It's access to people and hopefully 51 other weeks of the year you have some speaker that imparts wisdom and then you have me <laughs> in two years. Um, and then third, we want to be access to education and or training. Not that we want to become a training provider, but we need to demonstrate um, to a small business, why does QuickBooks matter to your business, right? And expose them to leading thinking on, on business trends so they can have education. And I think if we can do that, if we can do those three, th three things, access to people, access to information, access to education and our training, we'll begin to develop our value proposition. So I've asked the team to re-examine everything that we do. We have a golf tournament. Um, and I don't have a feeling one way or the other about a golf tournament. I don't know if the membership is saying, wow, that, we have to have a golf tournament, we love it, or do they feel obligated to do it? So I would say, does that fit my themes? Does it give you access to people? Not really. I mean, you're bringing your own foursome. Does it give you access to information? Not really. Does it give you access to education and or training? Uh, maybe if you have the golf pro in your foursome, but other than that, probably not. And so I'm only using that as an example of us trying to rethink what's the content we're trying to deliver as a transaction to the community. And so we have um, a, a, a new person on our staff named uh, Amanda. And Amanda is our programs manager, and she is developing all the content. And we're doing two things. We're doing uh, May is a small business month, 
and we have two programs that we're going to launch into the community as well as two webinars that we're doing because also, well, we're also trying to build a library of content. So that's kind of what the chamber is doing. And remember, I also said advocacy. Um, part of the reason that you have a business association is somebody needs to be the voice for business. Sometimes you can't be the, speak up because it can impact your business. That's what we need to do. So Amy Murdoch, who most recently was the planning director for the county, has just joined our team as our director of government affairs. And you'll see us having a much louder and robust and relevant, I think more importantly, voice in the community. So that's what I see is the chamber going. So, guys, I, I got 25 minutes to go? <laughs> no, we'll get there. Um, so again, as I said, we're gonna create a robust economic development organization. And I have to say, and I don't mean this in a, in a overly critical way, um, but there's not a lot of evidence that real economic development activity has ever been fully resourced um, and supported in this community. It, there really isn't. Uh, most economic development efforts fail is because of lack of good leadership, and I don't mean paid staff, I mean the, the volunteer, the business and community leaders. And then it's actually fully resourced to be successful. And I'm going to give a, a couple examples, but remember, economic development is only concerned about a primary job creator. I, that's their mission. And economic development needs to be funded and supported by the private sector, because that's where the jobs are created. There's a role, of course, for the public sector. Um, but private sector-led economic development that is fully resourced for us to be capable. And they only do four things, right? Business attraction, business retention and expansion, business startup, and workforce development. That's, that's their charge, those four elements. And they all, of course, have to align. So <clears throat> we have been working since I've got here, actually for the, since the first time I ever stepped into Erie, I said, if you want to be successful, this is what you need to do. Not, hey, I'm coming with the plan. I'm here to execute the plan that the community wants, not develop the plan. Um, and we're very, very close to having it formalized. And it's really all about outcomes. So we could have a job creation goal. We could say, we want to see 4,000 new primary jobs created in Erie over the next five years. I don't know that we've quite settled on the number, I'm just saying that as an example. We want to see 25 companies attracted, and we want to see 25 companies started, and we want to see $500 million in new capital investment. That's what I mean. There's a clearly articulated goal. Then we can build, all right, then how do we do that? What component is business attraction? What component is business retention? What is startup? How do we provide a pipeline of workers for those industries. And so one of the things we do, and I don't want to make this sound like yet one more study of Erie because this is the most studied community I can think we can find. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we do, and it sounds like uh, uh, government ease, is we had to do what we call a targeted market targeted industry market report, what industries do we have a competitive advantage in, and what's the competitive realities? I can tell you today, if we were trying to attract a company that needed 30 acres, that's ready to develop, which we mean shovel ready, that doesn't mean 
yeah, we'll get there. The answer is we have zero. We have no inventory. We don't have a product to sell. So it's pretty tough to go attract industry if we don't have them. How about class, how about we want to attract a new technology company or a back office, right? We don't have any class A office space in Erie. And we have a lot of vacant office space, but we don't have any office space that's getting into production. And so we're not saying that as we have to identify the baseline so we know where the prescriptive action needs to be, right? If we don't have a product, we can't attract industry. We can't help people grow and expand. So we're doing that. We're going to release that report on May 23rd. We'll be releasing what our goals are for the next five years. We want to be held accountable. We want them to be measured. Just like any employee, you don't get to come in on Monday and leave on Friday without some expectation of something happening. That's the way economic development has to be looked at. Where are you at on your goals? What's happening? What are going on? So the very last company I helped recruit to Montana was an Israeli-based company that's here in the United States doing some work for Homeland Security. So I went to this conference down in Florida called Select USA. So it's put on by the US Department of Commerce. And all these companies around the world that want to come do business in the United States, they go there. And then people like me come like a swarm on them and to say, <laughs> This is why you need to come to our community. So I met this company, and they were interesting to us. But over the time, I had developed a pretty good relationship with the Israeli consul general who represents the Pacific Northwest. So I called them up, and I said, hey, we met this really interesting company um, in Israel. Could you help us kind of a dialogue in moving them forward? He said, absolutely, because that's kind of the job of the consul general is to help that country do business in our country. So we began making the case. Um, they narrowed it down to three communities that they were going to put their site in. There's about 200 jobs they were going to create. 200 jobs are paying about $80,000 a year. So very good jobs in, in almost any community. They narrowed it down to Denver, Colorado. So that's what, three or four million metro, five million maybe. Salt Lake City, Utah, just under three million metro. Missoula, Montana, remember, 100,000 metro. The advantage, we said, is you get to be the big fish in the small pond. Your 200 jobs, they don't care about you in Denver. You don't have the direct access. You don't have access to elected officials and business and et cetera. The other component that we had to do to finalize the deal is we had to go to Israel and meet the parent company. And so we took a delegation there. And we met with them, and ultimately they did choose in 2018 to put their first US-based site in, in Missoula, Montana. And I only give this example as an example of resources. I could cobble that story together today in Erie, probably. But cobbling together is not economic development, right? We have to have the resources and the staff that can go do that. It's, nothing has ever been done here because of ill intent it's because of lack of resource, lack of vision, lack of where do we want to go as a community. And I should, I'm kind of preachy. I need a soapbox on this. But I, uh, these are the things that I really believe in. This is what I came here to be a part of. So I want to talk a little bit um, about Wabtech. So as an economic development professional, I have a really simple charge, right? It is 
to retain and expand jobs in our community and in bring investment to the community. That's the charge I was given. And when that is threatened, we as an organization have to be able to respond to that. So we did some analysis of what the jobs look like at WebTech, because we want to make informed decisions. So I could talk about this two different ways. We use, a, we use a software program called Implan, so it's an input-output analysis. So we can take any job, if I know the, the industry code, and it can tell me what the other impact it is across the community. So you could take 10 jobs um, in, in a financial industry. We could take 10 underwriters at Erie Insurance, and I could tell you what they do in induced and indirect and how their spending is allocated across the community. So we modeled 1,700 jobs at Wabtech, 1,700 in the pr production jobs. So it turned out those jobs have a multiplier is some of the highest that you'll ever see. It's every one union job in Erie is worth three other jobs across all industries, not just production. Um, even Tom saw the numbers. Um, it impacts lawyers and how many lawyers we have in this community. <laughs> Um, it, impacts, it impacts if your family doctor is going to be here. So let me just tell you, three to one. So 1,700 jobs support 5,100 other jobs in this community. So if Wabtech leaves, it's not we leave 1,700. 6,800 people in Erie no longer have a job. That's what the ramifications are. And I'm not trying to be an alarmist. But I don't think, I am not hearing the community having the conversation about what these impacts are. That's $400 million annually in the economy. Just that 1,700 jobs. And we have, uh, we have this report available. I brought a, a copy um, of our economic impact. It'll tell the methodology. It goes through all the industries that will be affected. I can tell you, uh, surprisingly enough, the number three impacted industry in Erie is healthcare. It's about out of that um, 5,100 jobs, there are about 800 in healthcare industry doesn't exist anymore. Um, I can do it by age, I can tell you by industry, I can look at demographics, who these jobs are. And I don't want to talk about losing 1,700 jobs, I want to talk about adding 1,700 of these jobs. I don't want to have. 7,000 people out of work, I want 7,000 new people employed. We were at a, an event last night that the current CEO and the announced CEO were at, and they, they talked about what their vision is for Erie. And they have two. And, and again, I think it's part of our job to explain here's the reality. They're in a 90-day agreement with the, with the um, union to get a deal done. 90 days is June 4th. On June 5th, they're going to either add jobs or they're leaving. And they're now not just talking about the 1,700 jobs. They're talking about all the 1,000 other engineering and professional jobs. And I am not, I guess I am, I am weighing on this. We need the agreement 
of labor to protect those jobs or we're not having those jobs in this community. So my job just got much harder or much easier. And I like the easier. Um, but we have the analysis. Um, we're going to have it available on our website by the end of this week that people can go and look at the report. Um, I actually am not an alarmist. I'm much more of an optimist by nature. I kind of think good things are happening, but I don't hear the community under, and I, I don't, maybe it's because it's been such a slow decline over time that people think it's in, inevitable. And I came to Erie and I heard for the first time in my life the term managed decline. And I, I how, do, how do you manage decline and why would you accept managed decline? You know, we want growth and prosperity. Um, and this is one of the most dangerous items that we have facing our community right now is what's going to happen on this union negotiation. It is all on two-tier wages. If they can't agree, and they've said it, I mean, you've seen it in the paper, this is the issue. If we can't solve it, we're leaving. Um, and I think, uh, I, you know, Tom was there last night, Robin was there last night. I think that's probably the, the most forthright I'd ever heard him say that. Um, and so this is not, and the reason I'm saying this, all the other jobs that are impacted, this is not a web tech or a union issue. This is an eerie issue. Every one of us are going to be impacted. It's not just your favorite waiter or waitress doesn't exist or your favorite um, teller doesn't exist. You, your doctor could be gone. I mean, this, what's the ramification? So that's a very uplifting place to end. Um, <laughs> that's not what I came, so thank goodness I have two years <laughs> before I have to come back. <laughs> um, but honestly, Erie has been such a great fit for me. I have had such a good time meeting and being part of this community. Um, there is such a, a earnestness of, of wanting to be more that that's what attracted me here. I looked at three things. Are the right people involved that I want to be associated with? And absolutely the answer is yes. Is there an appetite to, to do something? Yes, and did I think I could be a good fit here? And I, I think I have been. I have really, really enjoyed myself. I view what I get to do for a living is I meet really smart, really interesting people doing really smart, really interesting things. And that's a pretty good day. Um, and that's what Erie has to offer. So I, I, I'm, I take easy questions. Um, <laughs> If there are any, and, uh, and if not, uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Yes, sir. Before Labs Tech came here and took over, was there an organized effort on behalf of the community to force them, to woo them, to integrate them to the community? So the question was, before Wabtech took over. took over, was there an effort by Erie to go woo them to take, not that I'm aware of. Uh, there was no concerted effort. And you bring up, bring up an excellent point. Don't think my counterparts in the United States are not watching this and that they're not in Chicago as we speak saying, let us show you why you should move these jobs to my community. And I can tell you, I'm from one of the two communities. So no, 
we didn't do an effort. Sometimes it's because we're not aware of the, the, the conversation. But that's one of the reasons we have to be doing outreach. Why I've said there's 400 visits I've been doing. We need to learn when companies like Lord are up for sale. What does that mean for us? How do we get, get over there? How do we get over there to Cleveland now to say, we want you to continue to grow and invest in our community. We're glad that you're here. That has to be part of it. And I don't know of any, do you, Tom, do you know of any past example of that? But that's actually a great point. One of our economic development strategies is that we have a concerted, at least four times a year, we're going to visit headquarters of companies that have facilities in Erie. They need to know you're important to us, we want you to grow, and we have to make the case of why Erie. They're not thinking about Erie. You know, so that's our job. So maybe answered your question, but I answered my question. <laughs> Yes. Have you um, made any or are you going to make any um, attempts to talk to the union and present um, the very good reasons for negotiation? The question was, nice prompt, that's for the radio, right? Um, <laughs> the question is, are we going to make any outreach attempt to the union to, for, for the case of why they should negotiate? Is we have reached out. Um, we've never, I've never had a sit-down meeting with them. I've met them and said, I'd love to talk to, to you, um, and haven't. You have been listening to Money Radio, WPSE's weekly broadcast of the Rotary Club of Erie meeting program at the Sheridan Erie Bayfront Hotel. Today's speaker was James Grunke, CEO of the Erie Regional Chamber and Growth Partnership. Join us again next week and stay tuned for more informative programming on Money Radio, WPSC AM 1450 and FM 107.1.